The title for today is How Can We Know God? How Can We Know God? You know the moment when Pastor Michael gave me this title, How Can We Know God? The very first reaction that I got was, um, but most of us here, we already know God, right? We're Christians, so most of us here, we already know God. Well, how can we know God? Well, through Jesus Christ, oh? How can we know God? Mm, through reading the Bible, oh? Well, that's, that's uh, what have been talking, that's what we have been talking about for the past few weeks anyway. But as I go deeper in preparing this message, I was reminded of an activity we did quite a few times in our church. And this, uh, this activity, we even bring it to mission trips to do it with young people or even uh, people from various ages. And this activity is called solarium. Solarium. So it is an activity where we lay down a pictures, a few, a number of pictures on the floor or table, and then we will list, We have a list of questions prepared. So when the facilitator asks a question, then the person has to answer the question by picking uh, maybe a picture or a few pictures that will reflect their answer. And, or maybe they will reflect, they resonate with their answer and they will share it back to the facilitator uh, what, is it, what it is in their heart. And so one of the questions of solarium is this. What is your impression of God? What is your impression of God? And through my, experiencing, my experiences in during uh, this solarium in our church and in mission trips, i go back to the previous slide. <laughs> So, uh, in, so I realized um, a lot of people have different ways. They pick different cards on how they perceive God to be. They, are, they have different impressions of God. So some people may pick a picture of a compass. So they, it shows that God is a God who directs their life. Some people may pick the picture of an, an empty book with a pencil beside it. It shows that God is the author of our life. Some people may choose the picture of uh, the statue of Jesus at Rio de Janeiro. And they would say that, oh, when I think of God, I would just think of this statue of Jesus. Oh. Yeah, Jesus is God. So that's my impression of God. And some may even pick a boy standing on a ladder, reaching out to the sky. And the person will say, I, my impression of God is God is somewhere out there, very far away, distant and unreachable. Another interesting one I remember is a girl chose a picture of an open door and she explains that God is the God who gives us new beginnings. So some may even choose similar pictures, but their explanations of their pictures are oftentimes unique and different. And with this realization, if I were to invite you today to pick a picture or to draw a picture of what is your impression of God, what image would it be? Would it be, next slide, would it be a bearded man sitting on a throne? Would it be Jesus dying on the cross? Would it be a lion or a lamb? Would it be an image of a loving father or would it be just a bright shining light? 
And so today, I would like to give all of us an invitation. When we talk about how can we know God, take this as an experience to reflect what is your impression of God? What is your belief about God? And how the way of us knowing God impacts our life. A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. This is because our beliefs about God actually will set the course of our life. It will set our moral compass, our principle of life, and it will influence the way of our worship also. If oftentimes, if our impression of God is a good and loving father, so definitely when the song, Good, Good Father came to you, wow, you will feel with uh, utmost joy and love because that is your impression of God. And it will also influence the way how we perceive things, how it shapes our attitude towards our daily life. For example, I have a youth, she uh, came from a family where they emphasize a lot on the holiness of God. And so when we were going through the Alpha sessions, because uh, Alpha sessions will oftentimes talk about uh, God also, and so she will, uh, tell, she will share about that she, oftentimes she, when she do something wrong, then she will come to God and repent. And she will feel guilty about it and she oftentimes to repent because her impression of God is God is a very holy God and God will judge the sinners. So which is why for her, she needs to oftentimes come back to the Lord and repent of her sins and ask the Lord for forgiveness because that is her impression. And she will also uh, strive to become a better person in the Lord. Or when we see God as our compass of our life, then before we make any life-changing decisions, we'll definitely come to the Lord and ask uh, for a direction or ask for a new path. Or when we um, we'll even have faith that the plans that God has for us is not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future because we see God as the compass of our life. So knowing God and growing in a deeper relationship with Him is an everyday, is an everyday thing. It's everyday journey. And the truth is, God wants us to know Him. God wants us to know Him. And today we will be going through three truths, three key truths about God. And number one, God is real. Number two, God is revealed. Number three, God is relational. And these three things forms the basic image of who God is and how God works in our life. So let's see the first point, God is real. So God is not someone from a make-believe, it's not a fairy tale. God is as real as we are. And there is, but there is a famous question that a lot of people around the world ask. And the question is this, if God is real, God is good, full of love, why is there still suffering in this world? And I got to admit it, sometimes when life hits you hard, some, or during the toughest seasons of my life, I'll begin to come to the Lord and ask, God, where are you? God, are you seeing this right now? Sometimes we tend to question God's existence when we're in our lowest times, when, in, when we are in our toughest seasons. Some people may even leave the faith because they believe that if God exists, surely He will not let this happen to me. Then 
this all the more stresses why we need to study the Word of God. We need to understand the Word of God. We need to know more about God. Because by doing so, you will then realize we suffer because we live in a sinful world. But the good news is God did not leave us alone. He did not leave us here to suffer pointlessly. But He can redeem that suffering for a good purpose. And I'll leave that to another sermon. <laughs> but today, let us just go through three reasons why we know that God exists. Why we know that God exists. First point is, we see God's creativity in what He has made. When we see God's creativity in what He has made, and this shapes our understanding to see that God is the creator and the maker of all things, which we can learn from the book of Genesis. In Psalms 19, verse 1 to 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. So I noticed a few of our members went to Paul Dixon trip recently. Uh, and I remember they took a very beautiful picture of the sunset. I can see Michelle is giggling already. <laughs> and they took a very beautiful picture of the sunset and they even posted videos about this. And it's an Insta story, so it will be gone after 24 hours. But after the video of the sunset, the next video I see their family photo, Pastor Michael's family photo, is that they are, they are praising God for creating that beautiful sunset. Now, this is a sunset. I got this from Miracle. This is the, they will start praising God for giving them that beautiful sunset. And the following, for, and the following uh, video also on Instagram, I saw uh, Sister Priscilla also. She was also praising God for giving them such a beautiful will. They were also praising God for the wonders that He had made in this world. And so, when we start to acknowledge God's creativity in our life, we will begin to appreciate even the little things like a sunset or even a little things, uh, little things like some, uh, maybe someone gave you, uh, not money, lah. maybe someone bless you with a gift or someone buy you coffee. We, we begin to appreciate the little things in life. When we learn to take a pause to notice the beauty around us, to notice what a world that God has created for us to enjoy, to, to enjoy the nature that He has given to us. And secondly, we see God's thumbprint on human history. Acts 17 verse 26 to 27 says, From one man He made all the nations that they should inhabit it, the whole earth. And He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. So when you read the Bible, you will also learn more about how God is present in the growth of a person's life and how that person grows how from a person it grows into a family, from a family it grows into a clan, a tribe, and into a huge nation. And even through Joseph's story, you'll see how God uses the suffer, all the suffering they had gone through and in the end to fulfill a great plan, which is to save the Israelites from famine. 
So this shifts our understanding also that our God is not only the creator of the heavens and earth, the maker of all things, but God is also the author of our life. And God, saying God as the author of our life is not saying that God wants to control our life. If we say so, then we are all just robots. We are just that God to control us with His remote control or we are just like puppets. But in verse 27 says this, God did this so that they would seek Him. God did this so that His people would seek Him. Uh, God did this so that His people would seek Him, reach out to Him, and find Him. So by reaching out to God, it shows that we acknowledge God as the maker. By reaching out to God, it also shows that we are allowing God to be the author of our life. And by doing so, we are also allowing God to direct our steps in order for us to know like, what is the next direction of our life or what, we should, what steps that we have to take. So in order for us to know all this, we have to seek Him. We have to come before Him and pray, for, and pray to Him. And the good news is God is not far from us. God is not far away from us. God is available to every one of us. And thirdly, we see God's actions in our life. As you read the Bible, you will notice how present God is in every single person's life. So for, here's a question for everyone. How many of, many of you here, you are born from a Christian family? Can you raise your hand if you are born from a Christian family? Right? Okay, thank you. You may put down your hand. I see Jonathan C. Dina raise up his hand. <laughs> joking, joking, joking. Um, how many of you here, you are second generation Christians? Raise up your hand. Second generation Christians. Meaning that your parents believe in Jesus, then you're the next generation of the family to believe in Jesus. If you're second generation Christians, you may lift up your hands. Wow, the third generation, fourth generation. Yes, some people, I can see some people are starting to count their generations. Okay, third generations. Yeah, I see it. Go ahead. Fourth generations. Whoa, that's right. Fifth generation. No, six. Okay, now. <laughs> yes. And how many of you here, you are first generation Christians? Can I see your hands? First generation Christian, proud Christians. Let's give that a hand. So personally, being a second generation Christian myself, I always find first generation Christians of their testimony, how they come to know God, is very amazing for me. Because they are the first of the family to take a leap of faith, to come to know Christ. They took a leap of faith out of their comfort zone to... Um, come to know Christ and in the end they also bring their whole family to come to know Christ and because of that they also have testimonies of the hardships they have gone through how they even have testimonies of how they before they meet God all the hardships or all the life they have gone through and how they found God and how God led them back and they also have testimonies that when they become a Christian, all the persecutions that they face and how they uh, got through the persecution and how they stay faithful today as a Christian. So for me, after listening to all the first-generation Christian testimony, it made me 
appreciate more that I'm not only a second generation Christian, but I'm also blessed to be born in the pastor's family. And whether you are a first, a second, third, fourth, fifth generation of Christians, I believe all of you here, you have your unique experience of how you come to know Christ, of how you come to know the Lord as the God as your Lord and Savior. For second generation Christians and so on, we may be familiar with the Bible because we maybe we even to Sunday school since young. But what makes our faith applicable in our life and not just in our mind is when the God we know from the Bible became real in our life. The God we know from the Bible is no longer our parents' God, our grandparents' God, great-grandparents' God, but the God of the Bible became real to us. How he became real to us is when we ourselves experience the touch of God. The God whom we know as our parents' God will now be acknowledged as our own personal God. This is why acknowledging God's actions and works in our life is important. Even the small little little details count because it shows how real and how present God is in every single person's life. And after having the understanding of how God is real in our life, He is real through, we can see God through creation, we can see God through the Word, we can see God through His actions. So the next key truth about God is, God is revealed. God is revealed. Our God is a God not made by human hands or somehow discovered by human. God is not discovered by us. God himself revealed to us. And we can see that through his work of creation. It's number one, God reveals himself through his creations. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. We will see when God created Adam and Eve, it is already an act of God revealing Himself to us human beings. When God created Adam and after God created Adam and Eve, he didn't just sit on his throne, uh, and didn't just wait and see what's going on in this world, no. But God continues to have a relationship with Adam and Eve. You, even through the Bible, you can see that he has conversations with his people. And you can see that how God revealed himself is because when God created them, God is already an, when God create, was creating them, it was already an act of him revealing himself to Adam and Eve. After he created them, he did not disappear, but he was with them, he was present with them throughout the entire time. And even today, when we look up to the sky or when we see a rainbow, then we'll be reminded of the promise that God has for us human beings, that He will no longer send a flood to flood the entire world. So this is how God is present in His creation and how we can see His presence in the form of creation as well. And next, God reveals Himself to us through His Word. The Word of God is the record of God's revelation to us. Second Peter verse one, verse 
22 verse 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, you will see how God appointed leaders or prophets uh, to, to deliver His message to the Israelites or to His people. And then in the New Testament writings, they were like all, the authors, they are all empowered by the Holy Spirit to record God's revelation to us. So what's so special about God's revelation to us is that the word here, it's not just to build understanding. It's not just here to build our knowledge towards God. And not only just to build our knowledge for this life as well. But when we choose to apply the Word of God in our lives, they will see how this Word of God begins to edify. And this Word of God not only edifies our own life, but when we choose to apply it, it will also edify the people around us. And that's how we become walking testimonies of God. And thirdly, God reveals himself to us through his son. John chapter 1 verse uh, 18 says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. Jesus himself came to give us an, an understanding and Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. And the greatest extent of God revealing Himself to us is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because this is when God manifested Himself in human flesh, come to earth so that He can connect with us, so that we can have a deeper relationship with us. And when He comes to earth, people around Him can even have a physical relationship with Him. They can see Him face to face. So imagine the humility that we have to take on. So when we come to talk to children, right, we can't just go to the children and talk like, uh, talk all the deep, uh, very deep words, use all the deep English. It's very difficult for the children to understand. So when we talk to children, we need to take on a humility. We need to use words that are not too deep. We need to come down to our level. Sometimes you need to just to kneel down and squat so that you can see them eye to eye. And we, because in order to have a conversation with them, in order for them to understand you, you have to speak their language. You have to uh, talk with them in their level. So what more of our King of Kings, our Law of Lords, the level of humility he has to take on, that he has to come to this world, to our level, just to connect with us. And he even not only came here to connect with us, he came here to suffer and die for us so that he will, we will be able to be led back to the right path. And that is to the Father. That is how much God loves us. And that is how much God wants us to know him. So what does Jesus reveal about God to us? We come to a point, God is relational. God is relational. Just as I have mentioned in the beginning, we can know that God is real. We can know more about God through His Word. 
But just having the knowledge and understanding isn't enough. Because our God is a relational God. And what keeps a relationship authentic and running is through experiencing God every single day. Even like when you have a relationship with someone or when you have friendships with your family members as well, what keeps the relationship running, what keeps the relationship authentic is to often spend time with one another, to often connect with one another. And that is what it means to be in a relationship. You see, with the understanding but without the experience of God, then you are just a walking dictionary. With the understanding, but without the experience, you're just a walking dictionary. Why? You may understand the Bible from front to back, Genesis, Revelation. You can read it for very, we've been reading it since young. But if you yourself, you have not experienced the touch of God, you yourself, you have not experienced what it means to be in a relationship with God, then you're just a walking dictionary. But with the understanding and with the experience, we are a walking testimony. This is because we'll be able to testify the goodness of God. For we ourselves, we have already experienced the goodness of God in our life. And that is why we're able to testify. What is it like to experience the goodness of God? What is it like to have a life that is a journey with God, to have Him to direct our path, to have Him as a loving Father, to have Him as our sorry rock and our strength in our life? And how we can build relationship with God is by spending time in His presence through prayer and worship. And this is not just a one-touch, just one-touch-and-go thing, but... It should be a constant and daily habit. So no matter how long of a Christian you are or what generation of Christians you have come from, there are definitely times that we lack to dwell in His presence. There are definitely times that we fall short, that we did not spend enough time in His presence. So it is time for us to ask ourselves, when is the last time that we dwell and enjoy His presence? When is the last time when we read the Bible, it's not just to fulfill a responsibility, but when we read the Bible, it's so that we can really get to know more about God. When we read the Bible, we really want to see how this Word of God can apply and edifies my life. When is the last time that we actually enjoy quality time with God? When we come to church, we sing all the worship songs. We are not just singing out the lyrics, but we mean it. We sing a love song, we sing praises to our God, worshipping Him for who He is. So, and when we be able to keep this heart, this attitude, this habit until the day we meet the Lord. So, how many, I believe some of you here, you may know the late Elder Wong Mei. And I believe some of you here, you have been blessed by the life of late Elder Wong Mei. So late Elder Wong Mei, she is my dad's spiritual mother. And she's also like a spiritual grandmother to me. And she is definitely a huge, great inspiration for me. That's because since young, knowing her, she's a person that is very faithful in her prayer. She prays every single day. And she'll write out her prayer points uh, in the list. And then she will wear her glasses and start praying the names one by one. 
And if you have prayer requests, she will write it down. And then she will call you out and start praying for you. And once she's done, she'll put the tick there. So she has a list of, the, uh, list of prayer items that she has to pray. And every single day, she will call up my dad. And there are times that she will uh, talk to him about certain ministry stuff. But there are also times she will call up my dad and say she felt in the heart that she wants to pray for him. And every single time before my dad went up to stage to preach, she will also drag him aside and start praying for him, for God to anoint his sermon later. So, and other Wong Mays in the, her late uh, 50s or 60s, she will also go around to, for visitations and care just so that she can also care and pray for the person. So even on the day of her passing, it was actually a Sunday. And so Elder Wong Mei is a person that she loves to dress up. And on the day of her passing, her clothes were folded and laid nicely on the bed with her Bible beside it and a handbag beside it. When she, and where the area that she passed away was actually in the toilet. And she was just sitting down on the toilet bowl and, the, and her body was in the posture of praying. The body was in the posture of praying. So you can imagine, it was maybe during that time she was just sitting down on the toilet, maybe she just started praying. And then, just like that, God, God take her back to be with the Lord. And so, it really inspired me that even until that very last moment, that very last day, that last Sunday, she was still preparing herself to go to church. But God delivered her to His presence, that she can meet God and worship Him face to face. And even the, and the very last word that she said to me, which influenced my life, is that I was going to a mission trip in uh, China. I was going to a mission trip in China. That time, I haven't had my full-time calling. But she said these words to me, Oh, you're going to China. I hope that more young you'll be able to bring more young people with you one day. You'll be able to influence more young people in the future. That time, I haven't had my full-time calling. That time, I was still a teenager. But that word really influenced my life. And that is her very last word to me. And that is how it shaped me as a pastor today. To see that we as Christians, our life should be constantly connected with God. Even to our very last day, can we still stay faithful in our relationship with God? Can we still stay faithful in our daily habits of prayer and worship? And when I went for a Sarawak mission trip last, just last year, I encountered Christians that were like from 9th generation Christian, 10th generation Christians. And when you talk with them, they will say that, wow, their whole kampong is all Christians. Their great-great-great-great-great-grandmother is Christians already. So, but what I, what I uh, experienced during the mission trip is they told me that they never experienced the touch of God. But they are very well-versed with the Bible. Not only they are well-versed with the Bible, they also know all sorts of worship songs. They can really worship. But then, when you talk to them, they will say, I never really experienced the touch of God. And so, uh, we went to Sarawak Mission Trip. It's, during, it's for a youth camp. So, during that youth camp, we definitely have uh, altar call sessions, we have praise and worship sessions, which of the words. So, throughout the sessions, we can see that their life uh, we can really see that 
all of them are being touched by God. And if, even on the, the difference is on the first night of our camp, when we call for altar call, nobody went out. Really, nobody responded to the altar call. Everyone just sitting on their place, just staring at us. But on the final night for the camp, during altar call, when we asked who wants to answer full-time calling, 90% of the young people went out to answer full-time calling. That's such a huge difference. It's because all of them experience the touch of God. Which is why, as I say, having the understanding only is not enough. That will only make you a walking dictionary. But having the understanding and the experience makes you a living testimony of God. And this is because God became real to you. Just like how God became real to those young people in Sarawak. And here are some popular misconceptions about God that I would like to tackle today. And I hope you will be able to reshape or even give affirmations of you towards your impression of God. And the first popular idea is this, that they think God is distant. Far, far away, on the sky somewhere, sitting on his throne, looking at us. But the truth is, God is near. At times, if we feel that God is distant, but that doesn't change the fact that God is near. Psalms 139 says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? For our God is omnipresent, and his presence is everywhere, even as close as to our heartbeat. And the next popular idea is, God watches our actions from afar. God watches our, not only God is distant, but God watches our actions from afar, just see only. But the truth is, God is intimately involved in every detail of our life. Can I see the next slide? God is intimately involved in every detail of our lives. So our God is not a God that just sits on His throne or watches us from high above, but our God it's a relational God. He is with us. And He is here to connect with us. And the third popular idea is, God is anxiously waiting to judge those who do wrong. Okay. God is anxiously waiting for us to judge those who do wrong. But the, popular, but the truth is, God is waiting to forgive all who ask. And John 3.17 says this very well. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And the fourth popular idea, God is either powerless against or doesn't care much about the evil of the world. But the truth is, God allows an evil world continue to exist so that more people might be saved out of it. The truth is, God actually cares. God, and he, God cares even, and he's very hurt to see those sinful actions happening around this world. But God also loves everyone, including the sinners, including those who yet to believe him. So imagine the amount of non-Christians. Imagine the amount of your non-family Christian friends or members will have to face when the final judgment comes. 
Imagine if Jesus were to come back right now. Imagine how many of your non-Christian friends, how many of your non-Christian family members were about to suffer the judgment. So we too have a part to play in this sinful world, which is to be the salt and light of the world and to bring forth godly values to influence the world and bring people to know the one true God. You know, as you read all these uh, popular ideas, you realize it shows how distant God is and how approachable God is. But the truth is, God is relational. And He wants us to draw near to Him and He wants to connect with us every single day. So God relates to us as a perfect Father. So, for, so here are a few points that how God relates to us as a perfect Father, which is our Father is willing to make sacrifices by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to the world to die for our sins. That is the greatest sacrifice. And secondly, our Father has compassion and love for His children. And thirdly, our Father guides His children, like what we mentioned, that He's like a compass of our life, the author of our life. And fourthly, our Father knows our needs before we ask, because our Father knows everything, he knows every single thing, even the things we, uh, even the deepest needs of our heart. And fifthly, our Father rewards us, our Father makes us His heirs, our Father encourages us. So this is what it is, an image of a perfect father. So just like the parable of the prodigal son. So this prodigal son, he asked the father for his part of the inheritance. So normally you will get the inheritance is usually when your loved one uh, passed away, then only you will get the inheritance. But this prodigal son asked the father for the inheritance when the father is still alive. So later, so after that, the, the prodigal son take the inheritance and went to Ronda Ronda, spend all the money, enjoy life. And after he lost everything, he decided to return to the father. You know, if if we were to have a prodigal son right now in our church, uh, you can imagine that when the father, when the son chose to return back to the father, the father will say, "What will the father say?" Show all sorts of scolding come out. But what happened in the word is, when the son chose to return to the father. When the father saw the son from afar, he ran towards the son, embraced him, welcomed him home. He restored his identity and called him his child again. That is what a perfect father is. That is our perfect father. And this is why God relates to us as a perfect father. And even when Jesus taught us to pray, he also tells us to start with, our Father in Heaven. And in conclusion, to summarize what we have learned today, so there are three key truths when it comes to knowing God. Number one is God is real. Number two, God is revealed. Number three, God is relational. And so how can we know that God exists? Is we see God's creativity in what He has made, we see God's thumbprint on human history. We see God's actions in our life. And how God reveals Himself to us. He reveals Himself to us through His creation. He reveals Himself to us through His Word. 
and he reveals himself to us through his son. And all this, God wants us to know him, that he is not an unapproachable God, but he is a God that you can connect. He is a God that you can approach, for he is a relational God. And I would like to end the sharing today with a song. The song title is Because of Who You Are. And I really love the chorus of this song. And I got to know this song from uh, Sister Joey. And Sister Joey got to know this song from uh, Pastor Irene. It's one of the Pastor Irene's favorite songs. And I really love the chorus of it because the chorus goes like this. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Nisi, Lord, you reign in victory. Jehovah Shalom, my Prince of Peace. And I worship you because of who you are. And this lyrics shows the characters of God. That He is the provider. He's the victor. He's the Prince of Peace. And in the Bible, you will see definitely many more names that can describe who our God is. And I love how the song put, this in, put it in a way that we can come before God. When we come before God, we are not expecting what He's going to do in our life. We're not going to expect that He's going to create miracles suddenly. But we come before God just because of who God is. We worship Him and we praise Him. We enjoy His presence. Just simple as that. Just simple quality time with God. And so after today's sharing, how would you picture God to be? Is God your comforter? Is God someone who is distant, far away? Or is He someone you can draw near to, call Father, and have a relationship with Him? Some of you here, you may not know who God is right now, but I hope after today's message, you have a deeper understanding of who God is, of how you can connect with this God, this relational God. Or some of you here, it's been a very long time since you last really enjoyed a worship or since you last just enjoyed in God's presence or since you quiet down yourself and just worship Him. I believe that this is a time that God is drawing you back to Him. Remind you once again the importance of having a quality time with Him remind you once again what kind of God He is and I believe for most of us here the question is can you stay faithful are you can you stay faithful just like out of one way until the very last day you're still faithful in that relationship with God that you will not go to conference that you go to conferences every time so that you can be fired up uh, boost up charge up your battery uh, but after the conferences, after all the camps, you're just back to ground zero. And then you're just going conferences, camps, after camps, so that your energy will be boosted again. No. God not only exists in conferences or camps, God exists in your everyday life. His presence is shown, is revealed around us. And you can draw near to Him when you choose to draw near to Him. When you yourself say, God, I want to connect you today, God is there for you to approach Him. God is there for you to reach out to Him. 
just saying to us, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you.